This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Kind of a special edition today. Going to spend the whole episode talking to Paul Clouda, Star Tribune High School sports editor, at least for the next few weeks. He is transitioning to a new role at the Star Tribune as nation and world editor. I thought it'd be fun to have him on, though, since he um, he followed me in that job. He's had that job as a high school sports editor for the past decade. I had that job for about five years before him. And uh, so just kind of a good discussion of high school sports, about the challenges of covering high school sports in the pandemic, and all sorts of good stuff around that. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Paul Clouda. Special guest on Daily Delivery today, Paul Clouda, who has been our high school sports editor at the Star Tribune for the past decade. As the uh, the job that I had for about five years, I was the high school sports editor from like 2007 to 2011, somewhere in there. Um, so we have a, a shared history, um, but Paul is, a, is moving on to a different job at the Star Tribune as the nation and world uh, editor, and uh, just thought it'd be fun to have him on to talk about a couple different things. So Paul, how are you doing today? Good, Mike. Good, Mike. Boy, you make it sound so long ago that you were the high school sports editor. Well, I feel like I was a young man when I took over that job, and then it aged me. No, I was a I think I was like, I think I was 30 when I took over that job. And it was, you know, um, as, as you probably figured out, it's a, it's a really interesting and unique job, but it, 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 it also, there's a lot to do in that job. Um, we, you know, just, you know, and especially, you know, as I grew into that job, I think we added a lot of online components. We were starting to you know, do a lot with stats. We added the, you know, the high school hubs, which you have become very much uh, acquainted with and, and taken to another level since you've been in that job. But it's, it's a, it's a job that, uh, you know, there's a ton of rewards in terms of the access, in terms of the people you get to cover, in terms of how happy people are to have the coverage. But, uh, you know, when you're covering how many countless schools in Minnesota, even in the metro area, it's, it's kind of a lot to get your arms around, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And I remember being quite impressed when I uh, moved into sports because I had spent my career up to that point, you know, working in the news, the news side of the newsroom. But I remember thinking, I watched how you worked and you're right, there's an incredible amount of coordinating and planning and just sort of, you know, on big game nights like Friday night, you know, it's crazy in terms of the amount of activity that's we're trying to cover. But I remember watching and I thought, not only is this guy ran coordinating all this stuff, but he's somehow reporting on stories uh, at the same time. And I thought, how in the heck does he do that? Because I, I never could figure out and, and only until recently has, have I been able to do any real writing as part of this job. But I thought, this guy's incredible. He does this full-time job and he's a reporter on top of it. It's, 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 you, you really set a high standard, I thought, for how you do the work. The energy of youth, Paul. And no, I didn't have I didn't have any kids back then, so I was uh, you know, probably worked too much sometimes. But uh, you know what I've been impressed by with with you is just you you've taken the organization to another level, and just being able to you know promote and get all these you know kind of zero in on the the coverage that really matters, and really dive into some topics that you know, that have really been big issues in high school sports in, in recent years, you know, kind of bringing that news experience that you have to uh, to the job has, has, has really taken preps to another level. So kudos to that. I want to ask you some some other, you know, preps coverage related stuff, kind of favorite memories, um, you know, challenges, things like that. But I, at first, I, I, I do want to get into a little bit of 
we've got one of the bigger projects that you have you know, taken on in recent years is the, is the All Metro Sports Awards and that we're coming up on that again early next week. I believe Monday begins the, uh, the first uh, you know, digital component of that. And maybe give the listener uh, a refresher on what uh, the All Metro Sports Awards or AMSA, as we call them uh, in, around the building. Um, wh- what are those and, and when did we start those and, and what, what's, the, what's the goal of those? Sure. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, the All Metro Sports Awards. Uh, I believe this is our fourth year of um, giving these awards out. Uh, when we started them, the idea was <clears throat> to take uh, a concept that uh, you were familiar with, and I think it probably even preceded your time uh, working in high school sports. But we have typically uh, named a uh, all metro player of the year in s- some of the uh, more popular you know sports that we cover football volleyball soccer basketball hockey baseball softball lacrosse i think are the ones we mm-hmm. focused on initially we wanted to expand that concept and recognize um uh top athletes at all high school sports so we did that and at the same time we added um you know 10 awards that we wanted to give out at the end of the year uh, that would be part of our all Metro sports awards uh, banquet <laughs> outing is what we, is what right. we envisioned. And for the first two years, let's see, that would be 2018 and 19. Yeah. We, we did hold an event uh, where we invited all of the winners of all of those awards, as well as all of the first team uh, recognized athletes, uh, in sports like football, volleyball, basketball, hockey, uh, et cetera. So we had, I want to say, you know, plus parents and friends, and we probably had 500 people at target field that first year. Uh, we did a second one at us bank stadium in 2019. We had plans in 2020, I think to do it at Allianz field. <clears throat> and then of course the pandemic changed that <clears throat> changed everything. And we shifted to a virtual format, uh, which we did last year, and we're going to do again starting on Monday. So uh, what we're going to do is each day, uh, starting Monday the 12th, we're going to recognize and announce uh, a couple of these 10 winners uh, of these uh, All-Metro All Sports Awards and present them uh, on our website with a digital uh uh unveiling uh middle of the day and then we'll publish that information in the next day's newspaper so for the next for the five days of next week we'll have in a sense a virtual banquet where uh we can't we can't have people come together we weren't able to work out the logistics of that for this year even though you know feels like things have opened up a bit more uh but we're going to do it virtually again this year and hopefully next year when uh, my successor is in place, uh, we'll be back doing it out at a cool venue because it, it's a lot of it was a lot of fun. It was a great way to recognize uh, top athletes and, you know, celebrate a little bit the, the marvel and the, and the coolness that is high school sports in Minnesota. Absolutely. I was at both of the, the in-person ones, the Target Field one in 2018, which was, you know, the first one we did. And, you, you know, you had a huge hand in organizing that. And I'm sure you really had no idea. How that would turn out, what the you know what the response would be, but it sure seemed like the especially the the athletes, the kids themselves were having a lot of fun at that, and just you know getting a chance to mingle a little bit, meet people that you know from all around the metro that you know I'm sure 
a lot of the top athletes in the same sports, you know, know each other pretty well, just from competing against each other in high school or even club sports, things like that. But just bringing them all together was a, was a great idea. But I do have to ask, like, was, was uh, event planner really in your job description when you started? Cause I don't believe it was in my job description when I was a high school sports editor. Yeah. I missed that class in college. I, that's for sure. I, I, but I got, there's a lot of help. Uh, our marketing department does a great job of supporting this uh, Chris Carr, the sports editor uh, and uh, the people that I work with on my team, Jim Paulson, David Levesque, Ron Hagstrom uh, uh, and, and many others, frankly, who, uh, who make this a, a pretty cool event. So yeah, but event planner, that's not, that doesn't feel like day-to-day journalism work, does it? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't, but you're right. I mean, the one at, Target Field and then the one at U.S. Bank Stadium was a was a, was a success as well. Remind me too, the, the categories are you, know, you got like athlete of the year, coach of the year, play of the year, things like that. Is that still some of, kind of the standard categories? Yeah, I'll use that to kind of walk through, if I could, just the, the schedule yeah. of unveiling for next week. So on Monday, uh, we will be recognizing <clears throat> um, the play of the year. Uh, we pick one play out of the out of the three seasons and call it out as the play of the year. Uh, and we'll have coverage of that. We also recognize um, <clears throat> someone who uh, we think represents courage and competition. So we have a courage and competition award that we will be giving out on uh, Monday uh, that typically acknowledges someone who uh, went above and beyond and, and dealt with some other circumstances uh, in his, her, their life uh, to, to kind of show uh, what courage and competition is all about. And we'll also on uh, Monday kind of re re remind people who our fall Metro players of the year were. So the big unveils play of the year and our courage and competition award on Monday, uh, Tuesday, uh, we step back and recognize <clears throat> the boys, a boys team coach of the year and a girls team coach of the year, uh, coaches who, uh, uh led their teams, uh, to, recognition, success, overcoming challenges, that sort of thing. A little teaser here. I think you'll see one of those awards might be a little bit of a surprise to people in terms of uh, kind of what what we did and who we recognized. We'll also have our winter sports uh, Metro Players of the Year who will get some recognition that day. On Wednesday, um, excuse me, we kind of shift gears and we recognize uh, what we call our Student First Award. You might be able to guess what that means. It's someone who academically also excels in a way that goes above and beyond. Uh, we'll also be recognizing um, we have what we call team champions. And sports that, uh, are primarily team-based. And the two that we'll be talking about on uh, Wednesday, one is uh, dance team and the other is synchronized swimming. So we'll be recognizing uh, champions in those two uh, sports and activities, along with our spring sports Metro Players of the Year, who will get some recognition. Thursday, uh, we go and recognize uh, three different um, awards. One, our Boys Athlete of the Year, again, across all winter, uh, fall, and spring sports, uh, who our um, top boys athlete would be. And we do the same for our top girls athlete, uh, again, across all three seasons, all of the sports. And we also recognize uh, what we call our difference maker, uh, someone who, in a different way than athlete, than academics or necessarily personal um, uh, overcoming a personal situation in terms of a courageous performance. This is someone who's tried to make a difference um, on and off the field uh, or court or ice or what or what it, whatever it may be. So that's a pretty cool day. Um, 
And then on Friday, we save uh, for the last day. We recognize, again, there's been a lot of great teams uh, playing uh, in this wacky 2020-2021 school year. But we try to step back and pick one boys team and one girls team to call out as the uh, teams of the year for boys sports and a team of the year for girls sports. So we'll be doing that online on Friday. And then uh, that'll be a wrap for AMSA for 2021. And again, we hope we'll be doing all this in person next year. Sounds like a great lineup. And I got to, you know, I got to ask, it'll come, it kind of be a, uh, a wrap for you too. I want to get to, you know, a little bit of your new role, but I do have to ask you first. I mean, we, we've all been doing it, you know, in, in various ways for the last, you know, year to year and a half, but what, what were the particular challenges of, of preps coverage during, you know, during this, this COVID time, even like you say, we're, we're starting to come out of it a little bit. There's been some attendance and things like that. Um, you know, we're starting to see full capacity at a lot of our pro events now, but, you know, really from the, you know, tournament season of 2020 through, you know, through not that long ago, it was, you know, a lot of different rules you're adapting to different restrictions, things like that. What were the, how did you, how did you and, you know, the, the preps team, a lot of those guys I know very well, cause I worked with them too. How did you guys adapt and, you know, still continue to provide, you know, the coverage that people wanted of, of a lot of these events as they were starting to be able to happen again? Yeah. What an unknown. I mean, uh, one thing I've noticed in sports and high school sports, especially, is that there's a rhythm and an organization to to how you do the work because you know you're covering games, you're covering uh, postseasons that lead to tournaments, so you kind of get used to how to do that in a kind of a core way of how to execute coverage of games, how to ramp up for postseason, how to you know bring it to a head at the state tournament, mm-hmm. despite all the craziness that goes on. But suddenly none of that uh, was in play. And it was like a totally different un- unknown in front of us. I remember when, uh, when the, when things shut down back in, what was it? March of 2020. I want to yep. say it was on a Friday. The girls basketball state tournament was, uh, you know, kind of getting down to the s- finals and semis. And uh, suddenly, you know, they just shut it down. They weren't going to play. And uh, I remember we talked, having a conversation with Jim Paulson and David Levesque, who are the, are the the two reporters who end up covering most of the games uh, for us and saying, guys, this is going to be one of those times when you're going to remember this period for the rest of your life. Cause, and I didn't really know what I was saying. It wasn't like I kind of had it all figured out, but I thought this just doesn't happen. You know, you slam the brakes on everything. And so as we spent the spring uh, again, we were working uh, within, you know, the next day we were all remote and rarely, if ever, seeing each other in person. In fact, I don't know that I've seen those guys except on Zoom calls and you know Teams meetings in in person in a in a face to face way, uh, yet. Uh, so we're doing it remote. Uh, the spring was was weird because there was no sports. Um, high, the high school league, to its credit, was trying to figure out, you know, how to manage this because suddenly they didn't have these tournaments that you know generated uh, a large part of <clears throat> what they do. <clears throat> um, but as we came into the fall, um, the high school league approved getting going with sports. And that at least gave us that sense of, okay, now we can at least try to cover, you know, some of these activities, but they put football uh, and volleyball on hold. So here comes September without kind of your core or two of your core sports in front of you. But we, you know, we went out and covered some sports 
that we could cover. Frankly, even that was a little weird because the schools were trying to figure out how to manage the attendance rules and the media rules. And we didn't know if we could, you know, how close, if at all, we could get to athletes to talk to them after games and, and get to coaches. Um, we sort of just worked it out on the fly and it's a credit to the schools, uh, the athletic directors, the coaches, the athletes for making it possible for us to do our jobs reasonably well, I thought, uh, through the fall. Um, and then when they brought football and volleyball back, we, you know, we, we kind of tried to step up and sort of do our traditional Friday night football coverage again. But even that was, was odd because we didn't know, you know, what kind of access we were going to get. And could we work with, if we couldn't sit in a press box, for example, could, could you work on a cold night, you know, <laughs> yeah. your computer dying? Not, you know, we take a few notes by hand, but a lot of what we do is, is done on the computer, uh, you know, recording interview, interviews on your phone, you know, so suddenly the weather becomes a bit more of a factor in terms of covering those late fall, uh, early, you know, November-ish sports. But then, uh, you know, we slammed back into another shutdown with um, the, the pandemic in mid-November brought the uh, football and volleyball to a halt early. It delayed the start of the winter sports. Uh, we figured they would get going at some point, and they did in early January. But even that was weird because, you know, you're spending that last part of, the, of 2020 in this period of uncertainty. But as winter sports got going, at least we had a little bit of a template for how to cover games then based on how it worked in the fall. But suddenly we were, you know, we had to be indoors for basketball and for hockey. So that was, you know, another set of unknowns. You know, if you had to be inside, how could you how could you cover a game and sit and do your interviews and get your work done in that environment? And I thought we did a great job. And again, credit to the schools that which were figuring this stuff out along, you know, kind of in live mode, at, just as we were. Um, the state tournaments came back in the winter season, and that was nice. Um, that was a bit of a challenge just because I think with the high school league, you know, acknowledging that there would be bigger, more more uh, media coverage in those events that they had to figure out how to do that in a way that, you know, uh, adhered to social distancing guidelines and the rules that the state had put in place for um, access. So we covered, you know, frankly, Mike, we covered a lot of state tournament games from our living rooms and our you know, homes, uh, watching them on live stream and then working sources to get a hold of people after the games because we couldn't talk to people after games on site at, uh, for example, at Target Center or at Excel. So I remember David Levake and Lauren Nelson at the hockey tournament, they actually rented a hotel room uh, in a hotel where there were other teams that were staying. And that proved to be kind of a nice win because they could find, you know, kids outside on the sidewalk or, you know, waiting for the bus and that sort of thing. So just the kind of the coincidence of that uh, helped our, our hockey coverage, I thought. Who would have thought you know, that, yeah. that we would be doing that? Uh, and, of course, the kids started the winter season in masks, uh, wearing masks, and that turned into a bit of a controversy and a bit of a story that we covered. Um, but by the time we got to spring, it felt like, you know, the masks were still around, but they largely, you know, maybe I can't remember exactly when Waltz uh, made masking, uh, didn't make masking required for for sports. It felt like we ended the year in, in the most normal of ways that we could have. It still was a little bit different, but we had state tournaments. We had kids competing without masks. We had, you know, still some limitations on how we could cover games. But for the most part, it felt like we kind of got to the end of the year thinking this is pretty close to normal and doesn't it feel good you know 
it was yeah it was, it was nice you guys did a great job adapting all year kind of like a lot of what we say about this time like you know uh you know do everything we can to, to get through it do the best we can and let's hope we never have to do everything we've done again unlearn everything we lost <laughs> unlearn everything we learned in the last 16 months at a certain extent because we don't want to have to open up that playbook on any event again. And, you know, the one thing I should mention too, is in addition to covering the games, you're covering the news of how all this impacts the games, which is a whole nother, you know, set of stories to write and things to keep track of, you know, what's starting up again, how, how is this impacting sports? How is this impacting lives? Things like that. And there was a lot of good stories to tell on that, uh, on that uh, note along the way, I, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, and we found again, uh, the metrics of how we, you know, kind of keep track of what people are reading online is, you know, it's a little bit imprecise, but uh, we certainly discovered that there was incredible interest in uh, high school sports coverage as it related to when are sports going to start up again, uh, what sports are going to start up and then under what conditions are they going to start up. Uh, and certainly, I'm sure some of that interest was spawned by just the, you know, the societal uh, uh, debate about where we should be when it comes to, you know, using masks. And um, so some of the interest in the coverage was, I'm sure, brought about by just the topics of, you know, what we were writing about. But it was, there was a lot of news to cover. The high school league itself, uh, it went through... Um, a fair amount of uh, financial, uh, you know, upheaval in terms of, you know, suddenly not having state tournaments to help fund its budget. It actually created a budget for this last school year that didn't assume any state tournaments would be happening. So suddenly an organization that was typically uh, bringing in, you know, revenues of $9 million a year was, was budgeting to be about a $5 million organization. Um, but then they brought some of the state tournaments back. Um, and how they ch pulled that off was, was a story and, uh, yeah, and just covering, uh, you know, the, how many people could be at, in attendance at games, uh, what sports are going to be played, uh, the masking at practices and games and all that, uh, people really seemed very, very interested in it. And, and frankly, it was, it was rewarding in a way to be able to provide, that information to people and try to do it in a way that, you know, fairly and accurately reported what was going on at a time when, you know, we were all trying to, you know, sort of figure out this unknown of the pandemic and how to, how to make sense of, uh, you know, how it affected so, so many things in, in high school sports, especially. Well, yeah. And you, you make a good point. I mean, I'm sure some of the interest in those stories was you're right. The kind of dividedness we have, the kind of the political, nature of, of how this has become but you know some of it too is just the intense interest in you know from especially from families who are impacted by high school sports you you know when you become involved in the coverage of high school sports you know we both have been high school editors you know spanning the last 15 years at the paper you for 10 me for five i still can't believe you did twice as long as i did i would not have imagined um that that, that was uh, how long it ended up being but it, it did but you know just you realize how much high school sports mean to so many people just in terms of the, the fabric of their lives, the, the ability to compete, the ability for parents to see their, to see their kids compete at high levels. It, it really does drive that home. And that's probably one of the more, you know, rewarding, but also, you know, intense parts of, of high school sports coverage is just how much people care about them. Yeah. You know, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, um, you know, the events of, uh, of May 19, uh, 2020, the, the yeah. death of George Floyd, 
uh, also uh, rippled through the sports world in a in a significant way, and I think in in the high school sports world as well. Uh, and that also became you know something that we were dealing with in our community, and it, it permeated and affected I think um, you know just the way we thought about sports in that environment. Uh, uh, and we tried to cover that as well. Again, we weren't trying, and we thought, we talked about this a lot, and we wanted to, you know, there was a kind of an itch to kind of just get back to covering the game. Let's get back to covering what, what we're really all about, which is high school sports. And that's a, that's obviously what we wanted to do, but we also had to be mindful of how the events in our community um, were affecting things as well. And we, and we tried to be you know, thoughtful about how we did that and not, you know, sort of bringing it up, bring it up all the time, but when it mattered or when it, you know, when a guy like Charles Adams, uh, the Minneapolis yeah. North football coach, um, who, uh, at the time was still a Minneapolis police officer, uh, working, uh, in, as a liaison at Minneapolis North high school, um, a guy like, uh, him trying to navigate what he was going through. And also, I mean, especially how he was trying to be a coach and a mentor, to his athletes and those who uh, look up to him at, at his school. And I think even athletes at other schools, um, that's part of the story too. And we, we, Jim Paulson did a wonderful story about mm -hmm. uh, Adams uh, last summer that uh, I'm really proud of uh, being part of the publishing of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, you're right. That, 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 that piece of it, we should not overlook. Those were the two, you know, dominant, stories two dominant societal stories in the last year and a half and they certainly touched a lot of pieces of sports and preps was a big part of that you know paul i almost feel like it's a it's a shame almost that you don't get a normal year as a send-off but maybe it's almost like a, a clean a clean break you get to go to go do something else now be that the nation world editor you've had a lot of different You've worn a lot of different hats at the Star Tribune you know, even before uh, before taking on this uh, this preps role. Maybe kind of as a, a final question for you, kind of what what are you most looking forward to as you, you move on to this next role, and what do you think you'll you know either miss or you know imagine that you'll miss once you're a little bit more removed from from preps after doing this job for a decade? Yeah, well, what I'm gonna what I'm looking forward to, uh, frankly, is just the ability to do something that's a little bit different. Um, you mentioned doing 10 years um, on this job, which I've loved, uh, and I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't leave it if I didn't have at least just a little bit of an itch of, you know, in my 40 years at the paper, thinking, is there anything else I could do that would be fun and interesting and challenging in the way coming to sports 10 years ago was, I looked at that as a challenge and also something that would be fun. So that's what I'm looking forward to, if you could say the, the most, is just the chance to do something a little bit different um, as a career um, challenge. Uh, but that also speaks to what I'm gonna miss about uh, sports and in and, and working 10 years uh, with a crew that's been pretty solid and pretty, um, I shouldn't say solid, it's been, you know, this many of the same people that I've worked with from the get-go, uh, to, to work that long with really, really, really good people who do, you know, great work and um, just make our coverage, I think, the best in the state by a long shot to, to walk away from that is going to be, uh, you know, sad. And I'm going to miss that, not just the, the guys that I work with as reporters, but the editors and uh, the copy editors, the, the inv entire environment in sports, uh, which if I'm sure many of your listeners are sports fans, and so they 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 get this, but you know, so much of what happens in sports, uh, 
happens fast and it happens in often at night and in a newspaper environment that creates pressure with deadlines. And I've been amazed from the first day I got to sports at how well and how fast the people in sports work uh, on deadline to produce uh, what is, I think, uh, an amazing uh, amount of work in a very, very short period of time to the benefit of our digital uh, audience as well as our print audience. And uh, nobody works faster and harder, you know, in those last few minutes, uh, hours right. before deadline in the sports department. And to walk away from that is going to be sort of walking away from the, a pretty cool part of the operation. Absolutely. There's a great kind of energy that, that does happen. I, I, I missed that when I left that role as well. Obviously, I'm still in sports and get to feel some of that, but there's nothing quite like the, you know, you, you, preps games, you never quite know when they're going to end. You never quite know what's going to happen. There's an unpredictability to that you know, in, in the greater sports world, but particularly preps that, uh, that, uh, that definitely is a, is a big piece of uh, the, the fun and also the stress, um, but the good kind of stress of that job. And you did a great job with it for, for so long. I'm happy for you to get to have a new opportunity. Um, hopefully get to go on a few more, a uh, few more bike rides at normal hours now, as you, uh, as you get to, as you get on with the, get on with the summer, but, uh, Thanks for joining uh, Daily Delivery today, Paul Clauda, and the best, uh, best of luck as you transition to this new role at the end of the month. Thank you very much, Michael. I've, I've enjoyed it. That'll do it for today. Next week, kind of a special week as well. 1991 was a special time in Minnesota sports, kind of kicked off a run of you know eight, nine, ten months of amazing events here. Had the Stanley Cup Finals, had the U.S. Open Golf, had the World Series, the Super Bowl, and the Final Four all you know, all in a one-year span starting in May of 1991. So I'll have five shows on that next week, talking to Brian Bellows, Kent Herbeck, Patrick Royce, all sorts of fun guests to help us remember that time. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode as well. We'll see you on Monday for that special episode, and we'll be back a week from Monday with regularly scheduled daily delivery podcasts. But we'll have five next week, just a little bit of a different format with a look back at 1991.